Galatians 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Let's pray. Father, would you bless us as we look to your word now. And, O oh Lord, help us to uh, catch some corner, Lord, of the great wonder uh, that you accomplished in sending your Son to die for us. And I oh, will thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we think of the, <clears throat> the Lord Jesus Christ coming to earth, it really is incredible in uh, the vastness of the plan that's involved. First of all, it, it was planned from before the beginning of time. Way back then, before any of us ever thought or any of us ever, ever dreamed, before mankind even dreamed, it had been planned. God knew what would happen. God knew uh, how we would live. God knew there would be sin. And God made a plan, a plan for how he would redeem his world. And he's, he's got this, this, this marvelous plan, and you've got God working out this plan. Now, now people have planned vast operations in the past. D-Day uh, in, in the Second World War in Europe was one of the, 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 the largest plans that man has ever dreamt up as far as an invasion was concerned. The force that, that actually invaded on that day uh, was uh, tremendous. And the, I read, read about even the amount of food they had to send to look after those men. It was just an absolutely incredible deal. They were going to retake a continent. Right? And they had it all planned out. They had it planned out. They had their day set. They, uh, they knew when it was going to They had their diversion set for the enemy and all the rest of it. It was huge. Uh, <clears throat> this plan is bigger. This is a bigger plan than that. I mean, we're all familiar because it's in our, in our history when um, uh, the U.S. invaded Iraq. And the operation was to get Saddam Hussein out of it. And they went in with shock and awe. They had a plan. They went in with shock and awe. They were going to... Uh, shake everybody and frighten everybody, and they did just that, and they took it within a few days. But you know, it was a very carefully planned operation. But God is different. God comes to reclaim that which was his, because he made it, and that people which were his, because he made us. He comes to reclaim us from Satan, whom we'd given ourselves to freely. And instead of coming with shock and awe, And instead of coming with a vast army on our shores ready to overtake, he comes himself, and he comes as a baby. That's an incredible plan. It just is. Listen, it just absolutely amazes us. It is truly awesome what God does. He comes himself in the form of a baby. Now, our passage tells us that he came at just the right time. I really don't know what all that, what that means, but I know this, that God is time-sensitive. Now, sometimes we look at God the way he de- deals, and we don't think he's time-sensitive at all because he never seems to get it right for us, does he? He never seems to come on time, and he never seems to do it just when we want it done. He's always a bit late. He's always kind of uh, doing something else, but God is time-sensitive. There's a fullness of time. There was a right time for his son to come into the world. And at that right time, God sent forth his son. Just the right time. Just the perfect time. We could look at all the things that people say about that time, but you know, the reality is, as far as God was concerned, it was the right time. And he waited, 
and he waited, and he waited, and then he did it. And when he did it, it was just the right time, and it was just the right plan. Now, it says, his son made under the law. And here's where we, we learn something of God. You see, God, would have, God had had rights in this whole situation. I mean, the enemy <clears throat> uh, deceived uh, <clears throat> Eve. Uh, Adam went with it, and the enemy took over what was rightfully God's. Well, well, God had rights in the situation. He's a king. He's a ruler. He's the king of kings and the lords of lords. Lord of lords. He could just as easily have decided that's it and wiped it all out, demolished it all, started again. But he doesn't do that. What he does is he sets in place this elaborate plan that's going to ultimately come to fruit in this son that's going to be born. And what God was doing is God was showing us how much he loved us. I mean, do you really love anybody enough to sacrifice your child for them? God is demonstrating something in that. He's, 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 he's touching us with something that we understand in that he's sending his son. But his son had to be made under the law. You see, man had a problem. <clears throat> man was given a law in the Bible. It was, it, it was a good law. If righteousness could come by the law, listen, that was the law to do it. God's law was a good law to do it. But man had a problem. Man wasn't able to keep that law. And as much as he tried, he wasn't able to, you know, as much as he gave himself to it, he wasn't able to do it. Man was just unable to actually fulfill that law, to keep that law. So you know what God did? God sent his son. But when God sent his son, his son had to be, live that law and keep that law. Otherwise, he couldn't have been a perfect sacrifice. You see, to appease God's wrath, there had to be a perfect sacrifice. And his son had to be, that sacrifice, but he couldn't have been that sacrifice apart from living like one of us and dying like one of us. So Jesus came into the world to live and die under the law, just like you and I. Everything that you've experienced, Jesus was going to experience. You know, it's incredible to think of the baby, isn't it? That little baby there was going to have teething pains. Because you know what? If you have teeth come through your gums, it hurts. Jesus was going to have teeth, so he was going to have teething pains. Jesus was going to know what it was to be weary. He was going to know what it was like to be thirsty. He, he was going to know what it was like to long for things. See, he had to be made under the law. He had to be somebody who lived under the law to be the sacrifice that we needed. And so Jesus lived <clears throat> under the law, and when he came to give himself, he was a perfect sacrifice. He had done it. Now, Satan knew. And Satan's going to try to get him to break the law. It doesn't matter where. You know, it doesn't matter how big. Just something small. Just something to get him off him. And he didn't just do it in the desert, in the wilderness, in those, for those uh, few hours. Listen, he spent his whole life trying to get Jesus off track to get him to do something. But he never did. He never did. And somebody said, well, he was God. I mean, it wasn't really temptation for him. But you know, the truth is, in order to know the full strength of temptation, you have to resist it. And the more you resist it, the fuller you know it. You see, we don't know the full strength of temptation because we give in. He knew the full strength because, listen, 
It didn't matter what Satan threw at him. He, he refused to go with it. He refused to give into it. He sent forth his son made under the law, <clears throat> and he sent him to redeem us, to buy us back. Here we have you and I. We've sold ourselves into slavery to sin. And isn't sin slavery? Isn't sin slavery? <clears throat> Listen, you may, have you may have tasted the dregs of it and said, oh, yes, it's, it's definitely slavery. But you know, every time you go against God, it's bondage. Every time you do, and it's slavery. It's a bondage. It, it, it holds us. But also we were under the authority of Satan, the Bible says. At his beck and call. I don't like that thought, do you? Like that, that, that one bothers me. But you know, the truth is, before I was saved, that's what I was. The Bible says, you're of your father, the devil. That's who we are. Before we were saved, we were of our father, the devil. But <clears throat> the Lord Jesus Christ came to redeem us. So you picture this. You were a slave on the block. You were ready to be sold and you weren't worth a whole lot. But God stepped in and offered his son to redeem you. And it's as individual as that. Don't just get off on the whole, it was for the sins of the world thing. It's kind of easy for us to do that. Isn't it easy for us to say it was for the sins of the world? No, it wasn't for the sins of the world in that sense. It was for your sin. He offered his son a sacrifice to redeem you. But <clears throat> and you know, if that's all he had done, if he had come and paid the price and redeemed us and said, now listen, you messed up once, I fixed it. Don't mess up again. You know what? We would have had to say, well, thank you very much. That was more generous than we deserve. That's much more than we deserve. Thank you so much for doing that. And if he had left it at that, the problem is he knew us and he knows us and he knew we'd fail. He knew we'd fail. He knew that we would miss it, and he knew that we would fail <clears throat> because that's the only possible way. We can't do it. We're always going to fail. In and of our own power, we will always fail. So he didn't just redeem us. He didn't just come and pay the price for us. He didn't just come and set us free from our sin and tell us not to do it anymore. <clears throat> what he did was he came, and he paid the price for our sin, and then he adopted us. That's what it's talking about there. It says, <clears throat> to redeem them that were born, that, that we might receive the adoption of the son of sons. Now, <clears throat> what does that mean to us? Well, well, let me give you a picture of what it would mean. We'll, <clears throat> we'll say America had gone in to evade, uh, invade Iraq. And in, instead of just invading and walking away again, which is what they tried to do, which is what an army can, uh, all, all an army can do. Instead, if they were to go in and they were to adopt, and they were to give every citizen in Iraq full citizenship in America and give them the freedom and give them all of it and listen, make, make them one of them. I mean, that, that, that's incredible. That would be ridiculous. That, that's an impossible thought for us. But that's exactly what God did. God didn't just redeem us. He didn't just set us free. He gave us full citizenship. And he gave us more than citizenship. He gave us sonship. We're his sons. Can you imagine that? We're the sons of God. You know, we, we, we look at the, the, the fairy tale idea of the prince and the princess and so on, and we think, oh my, that, that's so cute and that's so nice, and wouldn't it be so wonderful if 
But it did happen to you. You were made a prince of heaven. You were adopted as his son. You became his son, his child. Now, I am for certain that we don't fully get what that means. <laughs> we can look at it, you know, in its judicial idea of sonship. But I'm for certain that we don't fully understand what it means to be his son. Because that's life-transforming. That's life-changing, the idea that I'm his son. I'm not coming into the kingdom. I'm not coming into this relationship, you know, <clears throat> hoping he's interested in me. I'm coming into the kingdom knowing I'm his child. I'm in. I'm in and I'm in forever. There's nothing that can ever remove me from it. I am his child. Now, for him to do that and leave, make us his children and leave and tell us he would see us at the end, that would be wonderful, wouldn't it? But he goes further than that. It says, <clears throat> it says God had sent forth the spirit of his sons into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. That's talking of relationship there. You know, listen, little babies rely completely on daddy. He's just fantastic. He can do anything. He's just all-powerful, almighty, and listen, he can do it. I can remember thinking that about my dad. Uh, you may remember thinking that about your father. It's f fascinating to watch my grandchildren, and they just think dad is. I mean, they, they talk about dad as though dad kind of walks on some kind of a, a, a God level, you know? <clears throat> uh, because little children do. They, they think uh, that, that dad is, <clears throat> uh, is like a God, because he kind of is in their lives. You know, I was watching Val's little dog the other day, and Val's little dog waits at the end of the stairs for her to come down in the morning. She hears, she hears, hears Val uh, and knows, it, knows Val's step, and so she waits at the end of the stairs. And I pointed out to you the other day, I said, that dog adores you. The reality is you're actually that dog's God. Because <laughs> Val can do anything the dog needs. You know? And children are the same. But you know what? What God did for us was he put his spirit in our hearts. And not just his spirit, you know, kind of a separate ent a theological entity. But his spirit in our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. He put his spirit in our hearts to convince us of and lead us in to the wonderful relationship that we can have with him. To, to show us the reality of we're his. We belong to him. We're safe. We're secure. We can flee to him any time of the day or night. And he's daddy. He'll take care of us. Now, now we trust in earthly fathers, but you know what? Our trust is misplaced, and some of you have found that. All of us at some level have found that. Our trust is misplaced because you know what? Earthly fathers can only do so much. But not this father. This father can do whatever it takes to make things right in your life. This father can do whatever it is that you need. He is the great I am. I am what? I am whatever it is that you need. Because he is. Now, <clears throat> what a glorious story, this baby. But it goes, it goes on. He calls us sons. He calls us heirs. Now, did, didn't you always want an inheritance? You know, when you're looking at the bills at the end of the month, and you know, it's after Christmas now, and you'll be looking at the bills, and you'll be, you know, not today, right? Don't look at the bills today. Uh, just enjoy today. But, you know, when you start looking at the bills, and you're looking at Christmas and all the rest of it, and you start thinking about it, you know, 
wouldn't it be great if you were an heir and somebody was going to write a big check and, uh, and give you the money from <clears throat> uh, some castle that was in your name? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be a nice feeling? Just fix the whole thing. But you are an heir. You're an heir with Christ of God. You're, you're a prince or a princess of heaven. You are. We look at earthly things and they seem so important to us, but we miss the fact that the reality is we are heirs. We have an inheritance, and the Bible calls our inheritance incorruptible, cannot be defiled. You know, <clears throat> it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter <clears throat> you know, if it were possible for bad decisions to be made. Our, our, our inheritance will never be diminished. We have a and an incorruptible inheritance. We're heirs. You're going, listen, you're not done yet. You're not finished yet. You're not finished on this planet yet, but listen, you're definitely not finished because you've got eternity just around the corner, and that's forever and ever, and all there is, and you're an heir. You're an, you have an inheritance in that. It's such a mar- marvelous plan. What it does is it reaches the needs of man fully. It really does. It, meets, it reaches all the needs. You know, it's interesting to see what's happened in Iraq. I mean, they've gone into Iraq and they've uh, taken Saddam Hussein. Everybody was happy. They pulled down the statue. And we watched all that happen and everybody was thrilled and everybody was uh, <clears throat> excited about it. And, you know, now they're trying to get out of it. But are things really any better? You know, if you watch the news, you know, yeah, they've, they've, they've changed, but they're not better. Because you know what? They weren't able to do what they set out to do. It was a good plan as far as it went. But they didn't have enough power and enough money to actually follow through with it and meet the needs of the people fully. And you know what? You got a nation that are looking at their deliverers now a whole different way. They're thinking it's worse now than it was. What have you done to us? Not what have you done for us? God didn't have a plan like that. God's plan meets the need of man's heart fully. He saves us. Because Jesus Christ came, we have a home in heaven. Now, <clears throat> that's a truth that I think the ages will reveal to us how great and how wonderful it is. Oh, yeah, we're saved. We know we're saved. We know we're going to heaven. But I don't think we're capable of really understanding all that that means. He saves. He adopts. Makes us his sons, his daughters. He gives us a new relationship. An intimate, close relationship. Abba, Father. Gives us a whole new relationship. Now what does he require of us? What does he ask of us? And you're saying, yeah, now here's the rope. Here's, here's where the price tag's got to be high. Well, really the price tag is this. First of all, you need to trust him as your Savior. You need to come to the place where you give up trusting your own ways and trust him as Savior. Depend upon him. The Bible reads the word believe. Now, it's as simple as that. You know, <clears throat> we try and work it out and we end up making a, a mess of it because... It's just as simple as believing. Believing, the Bible says, on the name of the Son of the Lord Jesus, uh, of God. Believing on Him saves us. 
Just coming to the place where you realize, listen, he came for me. I needed it. Why did you need it? Because you were a sinner. We all are. Why did you need it? Because in your own merits and for what you could pay for, you're going to go to hell. And God sent his son to redeem you because you need it. And he says, now listen, you know you do. Just trust me. Just depend upon me. Just believe on me. And I believe every, every man and woman in their heart of hearts know they need Jesus. But pride kicks in and we fight against it and stand against it and won't yield to it. Give in. If you're not saved this morning, give in. And what does he require of you then as a child of God, as his child? He wants you to trust him to take care of you as you follow him. That's very simple. It's, very, it's not complicated. It's not hard at all. He wants you to trust him to take care of you as you follow him. And you know there's a contention in us. Because we don't trust easy. We want to do our own thing. And we do do our own thing. And what happens is we mess up the picture because we're pulling against him rather than trusting him and going with him and letting him lead us. If we will trust him and follow him, he will take care of us. Is he going to ask some difficult things of you? Definitely. Just trust him and do them. Just trust him and do them. Is he going to come to you and, 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 and finger some sore spots in your life? Yeah, just trust him. You see, he's a gift. And all of it comes as a gift. There's nothing to earn in it at all. You don't have to earn anything of what Jesus brings for your life. You don't have to do anything to get it. Just trust him. And trust him means following him. Let him lead in your life. He knows the plan. He knows the way. You know, I watched a thing recently about, <clears throat> about um, uh, a certain harbor in the world that was a difficult harbor. And it was difficult because it was, it was at the mouth of two rivers. And um, <clears throat> as, people, as the ships were coming into it, it was just treacherous for ships. But there were pilots who knew the harbor and the currents extremely well. And no captain of a vast ship would dream of going into this harbor apart from a pilot. The pilot would take and just lead them in. The pilots would come on board. They would take over. They would guide the ships in, and the captain would stand back and let them do it because, you know, he didn't know. You know what he had to do? He had to trust the pilot because he was in treacherous waters. You know what you need to do in your life? You know what I need to do in my life? I need to trust the pilot and let him lead. Don't take the wheel from him and lead your own life. Trust the pilot and let him lead your life. He's never gotten it wrong yet. He's not asking anything difficult of you. He's offering something sweet and wonderful to you. God gave us the most glorious salvation it's possible for anyone to ever have. All the plans in all the world made by the most brilliant people can't equal it in any sense. A baby born in a stable and laid in a manger 
to live under the law, to be victorious, to die a perfect sacrifice, to pay the price for our sins, to redeem us from our own wickedness, to adopt us as sons, to give us his spirit crying, Abba, Father, to make us joint heirs with him. What a glorious thing. What a wonderful thing. This Christmas, as I close, let me say this to you. Don't miss it. If you're not saved, get saved. Today is the day. Don't wait for another day. Today is the day. Get the real gift of Christmas. And if you're here as child, listen, trust him. Follow him. He knows the way. How can you not trust someone like that? Let's stand and bow our heads for prayer. Father in heaven, we do thank you, Lord, for your great love for us. Thank you for the Savior that was born 2,000 years ago. Thank you for that babe, so unassuming, that stepped into this world, Lord, into a little-known life, a life of poverty, and yet he was the king. Thank you for one who lived under the law, that he might redeem us from sin. And Lord, we thank you for the riches that you've poured out for us on that basis. Now, Lord, help us to live in that reality. And oh, Lord, I pray, Lord, for those that do not know you as Savior, blessed Spirit of the living God, would you sweep in, would you show them their need, would you draw them to you with cords of love, and let them know your wonderful salvation. Every head's bowed and every eye is closed. Let me just ask you two questions. Have you trusted him as your Savior? Are you saved? Maybe this morning you'd say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not saved. Pastor, pray for me. I I need to be saved. That's what I need today. I need to receive the real gift of Christmas. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Anybody at all? Second question. If you are saved, are you trusting the pilot? Are you trusting him? Are you following? Maybe you'd say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm saved, but I'm not trusting him. I'm not following. I'm going my own way. Pastor, pray for me. I need, I need to trust him. Would you lift your hand so I can pray for you? Amen. Now, Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Thank you for your blessed message to us. And Lord, would you watch over us this day, Lord? May we walk with you and know the sweetness of the, your, the relationship with you even today. In Jesus' name, amen.